Would you join me in a word of prayer? Heavenly Father, yes, you have great things, Lord. You have done great things, Lord. We look forward to the great things that you're going to continue to do, Lord, and that are coming. But we need to look for you, look to you, Lord, for understanding. So would you help us this morning as we get into your word? And would you just speak to us and calm us, Lord? Would you give us peace and clarity this morning? In Jesus' name. Jesus name. Amen. 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 Good morning. Welcome. Good morning. You can be seated. Glad you're here. Those of you online, we're glad that you're joining with us. I want to, though, before we begin, update you on what I'm affectionately referring to as the three C's, container, car, care. I came up with that. I just want you to know. Uh, this is, of course, for our Maui Ohana. Let's start with containers and this update from Brother Mike Lau. By the way, I want to give a shout out to all the stevedores, all the longshoremen. Yeah. These are amazing guys. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. The Lord bless you. I mean, many brothers in Christ that are working tirelessly there on the waterfront. And so I just want to share with you Mike's uh, text to me. Aloha, Pastor JD. I spoke to a supervisor here in Honolulu today, and out of the 50 containers, 43 are on Maui already. Distribution is still continuing, and God has been so faithful in allowing all the goods to successfully get to the people in need. Praise the Lord. Most of them were 40-foot containers, and a small portion are 20-foot containers. Uh, we have another six or seven 40-foot containers left here in Honolulu, and we will ship them when supplies are low or diminished. As of now, the immediate needs have been met, and monetary donations seems to be the greatest need right now, which is exactly what we're doing, by the way. So uh, this in concert with everything else. So uh, that's container. Let's talk about car. Cars. I can't say too much, actually. We are moving forward, but I have to be prudent. I cannot really provide any specificity, at least for now anyway, as to what we're working on, because sadly there are bureaucratic obstacles yet again for which we would covet your prayers. Uh, speaking of coveting prayer, this brings me to care with this photo of Perry and Lori Allen. So Pastor Steve Santos connected me with Perry, who is here on Oahu for his wife Lori, who is at Straub Medical Center in the burn unit with over 70% of her body burned. This after she barely escaped from her burning car, pictured here, which was engulfed in flames. She was flown to Oahu from Maui, and quite frankly, it's a miracle that she's even still alive. This is God, that she's still even alive, because you don't get 70 percent 
burns and live through it. So what we're doing as a church is we're helping with finances and food. And for those interested in helping with meals, we have flyers out front at the information area. And on those flyers will be the link to their meal train schedule that they make it so easy. You can uh, sign up for a particular date, which would be a huge help. We're taking care of the financial end of it. Uh, but the food end of it, if you want to be a part of that, it will be a huge uh, blessing. She's going to be here for a while, as will uh, Perry, and just multiple, numerous surgeries uh, that will ensue. Okay, last but not least, <laughs> we are planning, Lord willing, and if we're still here, uh, to have Pastor Steve Santos with us this Thursday, September 21st. Now, uh, Lord willing again, uh, we got the green light. I talked to Steve yesterday, so it's a go. Uh, note that the start time, especially for those of you online, will be 7 p.m., not 7.30 p.m. Uh, we will start right at 7 p.m. because I want to have the better part of the hour and a half with Steve. We're both going to be up here. I'm going to just kind of let him talk story and share with us uh, some of what God is doing there on Maui for the people of Maui and uh, many of the things that you will not hear uh, anywhere else. And so uh, just please know that God is as only He can, doing that which only He can. And so uh, 7 p.m. Uh, will be the start time for those of you online, and that's Hawaii time. So with that, let's go ahead and get started. First service is our prophecy update. We've been doing this weekly for many years now. And then second service, which will be live streamed, by the way, 11.15 uh, a.m. Hawaii time. That's the sermon, really a verse by verse study through the Bible. We're currently in 1 John, and today we're going to begin chapter 5. Our text will be the first five verses. And Today's teaching, I'm actually really looking forward to this because it's going to be a message of encouragement. For the, You could use some encouragement, right? Uh, it's a message of encouragement for those who find themselves just beat down and need to be lifted up. So that'll be second service. Uh, for those of you online, if you're watching by way of YouTube or Facebook, we'd encourage you to go directly to jdfarag.org. There you'll find the uncensored and uninterrupted entirety of today's update, as only the first part is going to be streamed on those platforms. Okay. What I'm hoping to accomplish with today's update is redirect all of our attention, myself included, back on the Lord in order to just wait for the Lord. And it's not just waiting for the Lord, it's waiting on the Lord, which I realize may seem synonymous. However, there is a bit of a difference. And if you'll kindly allow me to, I'll start with Isaiah in order to explain why this is of paramount importance in terms of Bible prophecy 
at this time in human history. Let's start with Isaiah 30, 18. Therefore, the Lord will wait. Wait. The Lord will wait? Yeah. Why? That He may be gracious to you. And therefore He will be exalted that He may have mercy on you. For the Lord is a God of justice. Blessed are all those who wait for Him. Isaiah 64, 4. For since the beginning of the world, men have not heard nor perceived by the ear, nor has the eye seen any God besides you who, listen, acts for the one who waits for him. Isaiah 40. This is a friend to many. <laughs> a favorite of many. I'll begin reading in verse 28. Have you not known? Have you not heard? The everlasting God, the Lord, the Creator of the ends of the earth, neither faints nor is weary. His understanding is unsearchable. He, verse 29, gives power to the weak and to those who have no might. He increases strength. You'll forgive me. I really like verse 30 at my age. Oh, you're laughing good. Um, because Isaiah then goes on to write, inspired by the Spirit, even the youth shall faint and be weary, and the young men shall utterly fall. That's what I'm talking about right there. Old men, unite. <laughs> but, verse 31, those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Why am I starting out this way? Because first there's a delineation of sorts concerning waiting on and for the Lord. Let me explain. Oftentimes the Lord may deem it necessary to Himself wait in order that He might be gracious to us, merciful to us, so as to in turn bless those who wait for Him. Did you catch that? In other words, the Lord will wait, which means we also must wait because the Lord has deemed fit to wait. And by the way, we want Him to wait. It's been said that God is never late. And God is never late. But neither is God early. And truth be made known, you and I don't want Him to be early. Think of it like this. The Lord's going to wait, delay, if you prefer, 
because he has something better. And if he were to do what he's going to do now, it wouldn't be as good as what he wants to do then. So he's going to wait. So just wait. Yeah, but I hate to wait. Well, just wait. You're going to wait for him. Because what you're waiting for him to do is going to be such a blessing for you. He's going to be gracious to you. And he's going to be merciful to you. God's delays are not God's denials. I know that's cliche, but it's true. Second, the Lord may also deem it necessary for us to wait on him, not just for him, in order to renew our strength when we become weary. And this because waiting on the Lord can also carry with it the idea of a waiter. Oh, that, I know that's politically incorrect. You're a server. Okay, fine. We don't call them waiters and waitresses or stewards or stewardesses. No, they're, I'm sorry, I'm getting myself into trouble. It's a gift. They're called flight attendants now. Okay. I don't know why I went there, but I did. And so that was no extra charge. But these are waiters. We used to call them waiters. They would wait on you, the waiter. Waiter! <laughs> Is that too much? Am I taking it too far? You got the point, right? Just go like this. Yes, we got the point so you can move on. Okay. Stay with me. This is waiting on the Lord. And it's, it's like you're waiting on Him, serving Him at His table, the table of your Master. And you're waiting on Him, and you're serving Him. So either way, to wait on or wait for the Lord is not meant to be passive. What are you doing? I'm just waiting. You're just waiting? Yeah, I'm just waiting. That's not what waiting on the Lord means or even waiting for the Lord means. Either way, waiting on, waiting for, it's active, not passive. We're to be active in our serving of the Lord and, watch this, even speeding the return of the Lord. What? Oh, come on. For those of you who were with us for our verse-by-verse -verse study through First and Second Peter, do you remember this peculiar verse in the first part of Second Peter 3.12? The Apostle Peter, by the Holy Spirit, writes that as we look forward to the day of God, we can speed its coming. We can speed its coming? Please tell me how. I'm going to. How do we speed his coming? We speed his coming when we share and by prayer get Jesus to people and people to Jesus. See, there's that last Gentile that has to get saved. And 
if you are here and you're or watching online, get saved because we want to go home. Okay, I just got that off my chest, but I know this is not, you'll, I know this, anyway, I think they're going to have to put that last Gentile into witness protection for all of eternity. You know what I mean? Because if, if, if we know who that last one was, you would be like, you! Okay. Anyway, pray for me, because I think about things like that. But that's how we can speed His coming. It's when we wait on the Lord by our serving of the Lord that our strength will be renewed in the Lord. And I know that's a clever way to use the pronouns. But not only is our strength renewed, joy is returned. This is Nehemiah 8.10. The joy of the Lord is your strength. That's how the strength comes. You're weary? <laughs> Wait on the Lord, serve the Lord, and you'll have your strength renewed in the Lord. And Scripture is replete, by the way, with those used mightily by the Lord, who waited on and for the Lord, receiving renewed strength from the Lord. In 1 Samuel 30, David, now I love David, can't wait to meet him. So you know about his 600 men, right, that were with him, loyal men? Well, they returned to Ziklag only to find it burned to the ground, and infinitely worse, their wives and children taken captive by the Amalekites. And it's hard to imagine, but the detail in the narrative is breathtaking. The pain on the part of these men, these are warriors, okay? It is so intense that they break down and cry until they have no more strength in their bodies left to cry anymore. I would venture to say that their tear ducts had dried up and they were reduced to just moaning and groaning. Then David, in his great distress, knowing that his men are turning on him and wanting to kill him, strengthens himself in the Lord. How does David strengthen himself in the Lord? By waiting on and for the Lord and inquiring of the Lord, he's strengthened in the Lord. Are you making this connection? It's going to be germane to our understanding of what we're going to see here in a moment in terms of Bible prophecy. So he is strengthened now in the Lord, and by doing this, it results in the miraculous defeat of the Amalekites, even taking all of their spoil, and then some plus more times 10. And 
as only God can and is always faithful to, He fully restores and returns their wives and their children, all of whom were unharmed, untouched. That's a miracle unto itself. And this is just one of many examples and experiences, both victories and defeats, successes and failures that, inspired by the Holy Spirit, David would pen many psalms as the sweet psalmist of Israel. Psalm 27, 13 and 14. This has been for me over the years a life verse. David, by the Spirit, writes, I would have lost heart. I came that close. Unless I had believed, or as some of your translations render it, still had confidence that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. In other words, I almost gave up. I almost lost heart. I almost tossed in the towel. I almost called it quits, except that I still believe that I would see good come out of this bad because only God could take something this bad and bring good. And I'm going to see that good, but I got to wait. Remember as a kid, just wait, you'll see. I hated it when I heard those words. Uh, just wait, you'll see. No, I want to see now. I don't want to wait. No, just wait, you'll see. Well, these two verses are, just wait, you'll see, as are several more, some of which we'll get to in a moment. Well, that's verse 14. So he, here he's at the end. He's at the end. And then he, it's almost like he's not, he's not, uh, it's not self-talk, it's talking to self. You know the, the difference? I know I've shared this before, just bear with me. You know, there's a difference between self-talk and talking to self. And throughout the Psalms, particularly Psalm 42 and 43, which many believe are actually one Psalm, David does it repeatedly. He, he has a talk with himself like, boy, sit down, we need to talk. And he says to himself, why are you in such despair? <laughs> you will again have reason to praise the Lord. Why are you? He's talking to himself. His, his guy, I hope this isn't too weird. It's kind of like, JD, sit down. What? <laughs> okay, was that weird? So he's, he's having a talk with himself and he's telling himself, wait on the Lord. Be of good courage. And he, listen, shall strengthen your heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. Now we're actually going to be talking a little bit about this second service. Let's go to Psalm 37. This is again a friend to many. Psalm 37. I want to draw your attention to verse 7. Rest in the Lord and wait patiently for him. Do not fret because of him who prospers in his way, because of the man who brings 
wicked schemes to pass. And then verse 34 of Psalm 37, wait on the Lord and keep his way and he shall exalt you to inherit the land when the wicked are cut off. You shall see it. Wait and see. Just wait. You'll see. <laughs> Is it just me? Just wait. You'll see. Wait. You'll see. Right there. Let's talk about Elijah. There's another. Ah, I can't wait to meet this guy. 1 Kings 19, verses 4 through 8. He has a complete meltdown. He breaks down in complete exhaustion and frustration. And if this isn't bad enough, he prays that he might die because he's had enough. No, read it. It's right there in the text. He wants to die. So an angel appears and says to him, Arise and eat, because the journey is too great for you, which he does. In fact, <laughs> I love this. That's all he does. He just eats and sleeps. This is biblical, guys. I just want you to know. That's my story, and I'm sticking with it. What are you doing? I'm eating and I'm sleeping. It's right here. It's biblical. So the result of this is he regains his strength in the Lord for the next 40 days and 40 nights, and he's going to need it. He mounts up with wings as eagles, and he runs and is not weary. He's now given strength because he's weak and tired and bus up. <laughs> In 1 Samuel 13, verses 8 through 12, we kind of flip it around with an example of Saul not waiting for the Lord. And instead he caves into the pressure when Samuel didn't come at the appointed time. He grows very impatient, and so do his men. Where's Samuel? He was supposed to be here seven days. He said, wait for me to come back. So we waited and he didn't come. So what's Saul going to do? Well, he waits for seven days. Interesting detail again. Then who should happen to show up but Samuel? And he comes according to the, quote, set time. Very important. But it's too late. Saul did not wait. And to his own peril, he starts making excuses. And he attempts to justify his impatience in not waiting, waiting for the Lord. And you know what happens? It leads to his disobedience costs him the kingdom, and ultimately and subsequently and eventually his life. And very interesting, again, detail in the narrative. He tells Samuel he felt compelled. Oh, you've, 
you felt, did you? Oh, you you felt it. I'm not feeling it. Well, apparently Saul felt it. Oh, we, we walk by and live by feelings now, not faith. Hmm. And we make decisions based on the feelings at the moment. And they turn out to be catastrophic. Ah, I wish I had time. We've talked about this, many examples of this, making far-reaching decisions, catastrophic decisions based on feelings. When you feel the arm of Jacob thinking it's Esau, because even though the word you heard sounded like Jacob, the feelings you felt were that of Esau, and you made a decision based on those feelings. That's a very abbreviated version of a very powerful example of making decisions in the, in the heat of the moment, if you will, because you felt compelled. It just feels so right. Watch out. Have you ever heard someone say, or even yourself said, how can something that feels so right be so wrong? <laughs> well, let's see. Sin is pleasurable for a season. I mean, that's another topic for another time. Let's get back to the update already in progress. Where are you going with all of this, Pastor? Well, here's where I'm going with all of this. We are all just like Saul at Gilgal, David at Ziklag, and Elijah in the wilderness at Beersheba. Do you agree with me when I say this? that any hope of strengthening ourselves in the Lord will only come by waiting on and for the Lord. Especially, let me take it a little bit further, with everything that's now happening in and to the world until the trumpet sounds and we're raptured out of the world. That's our only hope as if the Lord gives strength to the weak. I want to, for the remainder of our time together today, expound on this with more specificity. And again, as I mentioned, why this is of paramount importance as it relates to Bible prophecy. But in order to do that, we'll go ahead at this time and end the live stream on YouTube and Facebook and redirect you to the website if you're not already there. So I've compiled another list. Hope you don't get tired of my list. It's more where that came from. But this particular list speaks to just waiting for the Lord and on the Lord in order that we might receive the strength of the Lord. And here's why. 
If there was ever a time that we needed the Lord to, as Isaiah writes, give power to those of us who are weak and increase the strength of those of us who are weary, that time is now. Simply put, it's getting really real and really hard. What do you mean? Well, you know, when Solomon in Ecclesiastes writes that with much knowledge comes much sorrow, the world has kind of uh, coined it and dubbed it, ignorance is bliss. Well, sometimes I wish I was a little more ignorant <laughs> to have a little more bliss, because when you know the Word of God and the God of the Word, you know what's coming. And what comes packaged with that is a grieving and a sorrow. And when you see all of these Bible prophecies that you know are coming, in fact, they're not really technically coming, they're already here in place, in play, in the world today, in this, the very last hour of human history, as we know it, and without question, without question. So in the interest of time, I've narrowed the list down to five. But please know that there are numerous and voluminous other prophecies that are happening right now, and it's getting real. Number one, I'm starting off with this one for a reason. In Revelation 18, 23, we've talked about this in prior updates. We're told that all the nations on earth, every nation on earth, will be deceived. Deceived by what? deceived by, in the original language of the Greek New Testament, a final pharmaceutical solution, pharmakeia, where we get pharmacy or pharmaceutical. And the key to this prophecy is twofold. First, it's worldwide as a genocide, and it comes by way of pharmakeia. So I ask you, are all the nations worldwide today deceived by this? Now, this kind of dovetails into the second one, which is in Matthew 24, 22, where Jesus now is speaking about the seven year tribulation, which is for the purpose of the salvation of the Jewish nation. Let me say that again. The purpose of the tribulation is for the salvation of the Jewish nation. That's the, the, the 70th week of Daniel, the time of Jacob's trouble. Who's Jacob? A.K.A. Israel. So this is when Jesus says that it's going to be tribulation, a great tribulation, the likes of which the world has never before seen, nor will ever see again. And of those days, he says that 
during that time, were it not for the days being shortened, no flesh, no human being would be able to survive. Survive what? Survive the genocide. Human flesh. I want to be careful in how I say what I'm about to say, but um, people are dying. People are dying. The, uh, the mortuaries, the funeral homes, they're backed up worldwide, all over the world. You have to wait. How long? Weeks, in some cases, in some places. Why? Why is, why is it taking so long? Because so many people are dying. That's the soonest we can get to it. Well, what are they dying from? They're dying from this final solution, this final pharmaceutical solution which is a worldwide genocide, because all the nations on earth have been deceived. And Jesus says that during the tribulation, which we are on the cusp of, it will be so bad that God just had to say, that's it, that's enough. I'm going to put an end to this. I'm going to shorten the days. I'm going to, can I say it, speed it up. Because if I don't, there won't be any flesh surviving this. And it's happening now, by the way. I'm kind of getting ahead of myself, but let me just say it now. This is all happening now. I'm not standing before you, as is my privilege to every week, and, and telling you about this is what is going to happen. No, I'm standing before you, as again is my privilege to every week, and I'm saying to you, it's not this is what is going to happen. This is what is already now happening. Number three, and it again dovetails in, and I selected and condensed this list accordingly, because they, they kind of complete this uh, picture, I guess you could say, the entirety of Second Thessalonians 2. It's a tough chapter. It's all about prophecy. The rapture is there. The revelation of the Antichrist is there. The removing of the restrainer is there. The great, the powerful deception and strong delusion is there, causing those rejecting the truth to believe the lie. So again, I ask you, is there a strong delusion? Is there lawlessness already at work as Paul writes by the Spirit in 2 Thessalonians 2, the Antichrist spirit, as we just read in 1 John, already in the world. <laughs> I truly believe, and I 
I get blasted for this. Fine, blast me. I truly believe the Antichrist is alive and well. I don't know how old he is. I would imagine he's probably up there in age. So there's a time-driven nature to the revelation of who the Antichrist is, which I'm not looking for because I'm looking for Jesus Christ. I'm not trying to pin the tail on the donkey of the Antichrist. Uh, that was, I don't know where that came from, but <laughs> I, I don't care. I, I really don't. But I, I, I believe he's already alive and well behind the scenes, but he can't be revealed until the church is removed. That's 2 Thessalonians 2 verse 3. But my point is, and I need to emphasize this before we move on to the number four, my point is this, and really my question is this, do you see this powerful deception worldwide? Do you see this strong delusion? People are, 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 are under a spell. I mean, it is, it is demonic, because it is demonic. It is a demonic deception. It is a demonic delusion. And it's already starting to happen. And we see it every day, all day, all around us. Happening now. Number four, I'll try not to uh, spend any unnecessary time on this, though I could. In 2 Peter 3, we're told that at the time of the end, there will be a significant increase of those who mock and ridicule the rapture. Wait, pastor, I think that is in the context of the second coming. Okay, I'll, I'll, give, I'll give you that. I'll let you have it. But let's be clear that the rapture happens seven years before the second coming. It's both. How about that? <laughs> that was a sanctified something, I don't know. The Lord's return, okay, fine. First in the rapture, He doesn't come to the earth, He takes us out of the earth. And then subsequently, after the seven year tribulation, He comes back with us. At the rapture, He comes for us. But at the second coming, He comes with us as His bride by His side, ten thousands by His side. So it's both. Are we okay with that? They're they mocking both. But especially the rapture especially the pre-tribulation rapture, and I'm doing the very thing I said I wouldn't do. But before we move on to the fifth and final one, let me just lastly say on this, bring it. Because all you're doing is confirming the fulfilling of a prophecy about how people like you would blast people like us about the pre-tribulation rapture right before the pre-tribulation rapture. So go ahead, come on, muck me, ridicule me, scuff at me, make jokes about me, make YouTube videos about me. I'm going to stop right there because I'm, I'm really doing it then. Number five, and this is heartbreaking. In 2 Timothy chapters 3 and 4, 
we're told the last days will be marked. These will be the markers, the characteristics of the last days. There will be perilous times. And the Apostle Paul, by the Holy Spirit, lists 19. And this is to the church, not the world. When did we ever start expecting the world to behave like they're regenerated by the power of the Holy Spirit? No, these are markers of the last days, perilous times, what people, Christians will be like. Let that sink in. And then it will also be marked by those who will not endure sound biblical doctrine. This is another one. I, they won't tolerate, they won't put up with it, they won't hear it. In fact, not only will they not endure sound doctrine, they will penalize anyone who teaches sound doctrine. How? By going to the church down the street that has a 15-minute feel-good message that's really hip and cool and relevant. The pastor's got, I know this is a, you could have probably gone the rest of your life without this image, but could you imagine me wearing skinny jeans? I'm sorry. All to be hip and cool and in and hey. Uh, are you going to teach the Bible? No, I have a Bible. Or are you going to teach the Bible? No, nah, my you know, quote a verse out of the Bible. No, but are you going to teach the Word? Are you going to preach the Word? Because if you're not going to teach and preach the Word, then I'm out of here. Because I need to get fed because I'm starving to death spiritually. You cannot live on cotton candy Christianity, because I tell you, with what's coming, it will hit. And you have got... Just, uh, no. There are people sitting in churches that are going to be ill-equipped when it hits. And they, they won't have the spiritual strength when their son or daughter dies when the diagnosis is given, when the husband or the wife leaves, when the children wander and stray, you had better have the foundation of your life built on the solid rock of sound doctrine. 
or you will fall, and great will be that fall. And it breaks my heart. I think about just my walk with the Lord. And had it not been for being grounded in the Word, I would not be standing here before you today. I feel so sorry for people. Well, I Let me try to get a grip here. There's a common denominator with just these five prophecies. And the common denominator is sound doctrine. And it's the sound doctrine of it's just a matter of time. Just wait, you'll see. If it's already happening now, then wouldn't it stand the reason that it's any time now? I just picked five. I, I handpicked, I selected just five of many prophecies that are already beginning to come to pass, right before our very eyes, in real time. And if we're already seeing these things begin to come to pass, and we are, then look up. Because it's just a matter of time. Just wait, you'll see that our redemption draws ever so near. It's even at the door. This is Luke 21, 28. Jesus is speaking. He says, now when these things, key word, begin to happen, look up and lift up your heads. Why? Because your redemption draws near. That's why. Wait, so Lord, when I see these things begin to happen, because they're beginning to happen like now, you're saying it's just a matter of time, so go, go ahead and look up and lift up your head, because I'm coming. I'm coming. Okay. Well, now listen to what else Jesus said in Matthew 24. I want to draw your attention to verses 15 and 16. Now, context. This is to the Jew during the seven-year tribulation, which again is for the salvation of the Jewish nation. Matthew 24. In fact, uh, we did talk about this. I'm not going to uh, go into this, but uh, the rapture is not in Matthew 24. Uh, that was a hard one for me. Uh, but it all fit when I realized, wait a minute, that's not the rapture. And then everything started to make sense again. So what Jesus is doing now is He is addressing specifically the Jew during the seven-year tribulation. You'll see why here, beginning in verse 15, Matthew 24. Therefore, watch this, when you see 
the abomination of desolation spoken of by Daniel the prophet, standing in the holy place, and this is in parentheses, whoever reads let him understand, then let those who are in Judea, that's Jerusalem, flee to the mountains. Many believe Petra in modern day Jordan. Wait, he just referred to a prophecy in Daniel about the abomination of desolation. Yeah, that's Daniel 9.27, arguably among the most specific and detailed prophecies in all of the pages of Holy Writ. Can I read it? Daniel 9.27. I want you to pay particular attention to this word confirm. He will confirm. It's the same word in the original language of the Hebrew Old Testament as it is in my native tongue of Arabic, bar or kbir, greater, stronger. He will make stronger a covenant with many for one, I'm not going to do the fingers, seven. I'm looking down now. In the middle of the seven, the three and a half year mark, he will put an end to sacrifice and offering and on a wing of the temple. That means the temple will be rebuilt at the beginning of the seven year tribulation in order for there to be an abomination that causes desolation committed in a rebuilt temple. He will set up an abomination that causes desolation. That's what Jesus is referring to, until the end that is decreed is poured out on Him. Okay, Pastor, why are you pointing this out again today? Because of what's happening tomorrow? What's happening tomorrow? Oh, Saudi Arabia is co-hosting this UN event aimed at revamping, confirming, strengthening the Israeli-Palestinian peace process. Here's an excerpt from this Times of Israel report just this last Thursday, by the way. This broke Thursday morning, Hawaii time. The event, titled Peace Day Effort for Middle East Peace, will take place on Monday, September 18th. That's tomorrow. If we're still here. That's not in the article. but and is being put on by Saudi Arabia, along with the Arab League and the European Union, in cooperation with Egypt and Jordan. Do you realize you just basically described verbatim the prophecy in Ezekiel 38? By the way, we finished Ezekiel 24 uh, Thursday. <laughs> it's a turning point from 25 on through the end of the book of Ezekiel, is there, there's, a, there's a change in the tone and the tune of the prophecies from Ezekiel. When you get into the 30s, can't wait. Just wait. I can't wait, if we're still here. But when we get to Ezekiel 38, and particularly verse 13, it mentions by their ancient name Saudi Arabia as protesting this alliance of nations with Russia, Iran, and Turkey at the helm that invade Israel from the north vis-a-vis -vis Syria. And what's interesting about that specific prophecy in Ezekiel 38, again very detailed, is not just the nations that are mentioned, 
by their ancient names, but those who are not, i.e., Egypt and Jordan, both of which have a peace agreement with Israel. And Saudi Arabia in verse 13 is mentioned as not being a part of this alliance, but protesting the invasion by this alliance. And they're, they're the ones, what did they do? Did they read the Bible, go, oh, hey, get, call Saudi Arabia on the phone. They need to do this. It's right here. Now here's where it gets interesting. UN Secretary General Antonio Guterres will be the keynote speaker. Why is that interesting? Um, well, I don't know if it's possible to overstate the prophetic importance of this, given its inclusion in the United Nations Sustainable Development Goals. SDG is the acronym. And one need look no further than the aforementioned UN Secretary General Antonio Guterres being the keynote speaker at this SDG summit that commences tomorrow. And here's why. Earlier this year, he outlined the agenda priorities for tomorrow's 2023 UN General Assembly, saying, and I quote, 2023 is a year of reckoning. Okay. He then subsequently outlined the core elements of the proposed, listen, new agenda for peace. This new agenda for peace was announced back on June 13th by the United Nations Department of Economic and Social Affairs in a publication bearing the title, this is the title, We Need Seven Years of Accelerated, Reinvigorated, Ikbir, Strengthened, Transformative Action to Achieve SDGs, of which there are 17, which include peace. Here's just a couple of quick quotes. By the way, exactly as the Bible says, already in play today, actually tomorrow. Quote, there is a narrowing window of opportunity over the next seven years, not six, not eight, seven. So 2023 is a year of reckoning. So what's 20, 2023 plus seven? Oh, that's, I'm really good at math, right? That's 2030, i.e. 2030, i.e. Agenda 30, i.e. SDG Agenda 2030. We need seven years. Take them. <laughs> See ya. Wouldn't want to be ya. Well, what do you need these next, next seven years for? Because apparently that, that window is closing. The opportunity is narrowing. So now is the time and you need these next, next seven years from this year of reckoning in 2023. What are you going to do? Oh, we're going to Daniel 9, 27. 
redouble, strengthen, enforce, confirm, reinvigorate our efforts. Oh, still quoting. Heads of state and government must, <laughs> I'm sorry I'm chuckling here, it's a recommit to seven years of what? Of accelerated, sustained, double down, reinvigorating, all of the above, transformative action both nationally and internationally, to deliver on the promise of the SDGs. Oh, what did the SDGs promise? That by 2030, we will achieve the 17 goals, sustainable development goals. That, that, you promised that? Well, you better get going. I know we're trying, but we need seven years. Okay, let's get this show on the road. Just do it. The Bible says this is exactly what you are going to do. So just do it. Okay, Pastor. Why would you title the prophecy update, Just Wait for the Lord? Because this wait and see, just wait, you'll see, may not be a very long wait before we see. What do you mean? Oh, I, I think the wait to see the Lord in the air at the pre-tribulation rapture is any time now. Just wait, you'll see. Can't wait. This is why we do these updates and have for years. It's because we're at the end, according to Bible prophecy, and we have little time to get Jesus to people and people to Jesus. We have to get the gospel, the good news of salvation found in the person of Jesus Christ to people as fast as we can and get as many as we can. What is the gospel? It's just basically the literal meaning of the word gospel is good news. Your debt has been paid. You're free to go. That's what the word gospel means. So what debt? Uh, who paid it? Oh, Jesus paid in full for your debt penalty, your sin penalty, which is the death penalty. That's the good news, the gospel. The ABCs again are just a, a simple tool to equip you with. So you have at the ready something that's childlike simple that you can use to share Jesus with somebody that God brings into your path. The A is just for admit or acknowledge that you sin. Because why would you be, you'll forgive the crass way of saying it, why would you be in the market for a Savior unless you acknowledge your need for a Savior? I was just thinking about this the other day. You'll, <laughs> uh, why not? 
This could be my last prophecy update, so whatever. <laughs> no, I preach every update like it is my last. I think you know that, by the way, because one day it will be. And I want to go out yelling at you <laughs> in Jesus' name. But uh, you know, this whole thing, save America, the Savior. I'm not in the market for a Savior. I already have a Savior. And I didn't buy it. He bought me. I'm not my own, but I've been bought with a price. I already have a Savior. Yeah, no. Can I go now? Yes, okay. Romans 3.10. There was no one righteous, not even one. No one is good. You might be good, but never good enough. And Romans 3.23 tells us why. It's because all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. That's actually what the word sin means. It's an archery term. You've missed the bullseye. The archer shoots the arrow, misses the bullseye. He's sinned. He missed the mark. He fell short. And we've all sinned. We've all missed the mark and fall short of God's perfect standard of righteousness, meaning we've all broken God's law. And now there's a penalty. And so here we are in the court of the universe with the judge of the earth. And how do we plead? Guilty. What's the sentence? Death. And so there you are, guilty as sin, as they say. And you've just been sentenced to death for your sin, because the wages of sin is death. And then in walks to that courtroom of the universe with the judge of the earth, a man. And this is no ordinary man. This is the God man. God the Son walks into that courtroom and says to the judge of the earth, I will go to my death in his stead. I will pay his death penalty for him instead of him. And the, the judge just looks at you and says, because we know he's the local judge, he goes, oh, <laughs> good news. Your debt is paid. You're free to go. That's what Jesus did. He went to his death. He paid the price. He purchased us. and. He purchased the gift of God, which is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. And he, he paid for the gift that cost him everything. And then he gives it to us because it, it's a gift. We didn't pay for it because if we pay for it, it's not a gift, it's a purchase. He gives us this gift that he paid for with his life. He says, here's this gift for the receiving good news, but a gift that is not received is not a gift at all. It has to be received. The B, very central, is for believe in your heart that Jesus Christ is Lord. <laughs> Romans 10, 9, 
says, if you believe in your heart that God raised Jesus from the dead, you will be saved. John 3, 16, the most well-known verse in all of the Bible. We all know it and quote it. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever would believe would not perish but have everlasting life. And lastly, to see, and this comes as an outward expression of believing in your heart, because out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks, and you confess Jesus Christ is Lord, and you call upon the name of the Lord. Romans 10, 9 and 10 also says, if you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. And Romans 10, 13 says, all who call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. And by the way, we talked about this last week. I'll just mention it very quickly, and then we'll close with the but God testimony. I appreciate your patience. But I want you to always remember that Scripture is clear, that every knee will bow, and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. The only difference is when we confess Jesus is Lord now, it's for salvation. But when every knee will bow, it will be for damnation. In other words, everyone is going to confess with their mouths that Jesus Christ is Lord. Today's But God testimony comes from Shannon Brzezowski. I sure hope I pronounced your last name right, Shannon. She writes, Dear Pastor J.D., first let me say what a blessing it is to hear God's Word taught unashamedly, as well as the truth about the days we are living in being brought to light in order to encourage the weary and get people to Jesus and Jesus to people as fast as possible, because time is short. Often I have felt I would like to write to you my but God story, but I have never followed through. However, after listening to Sunday's prophecy update on September 3rd, I had to write. So here goes. When I graduated high school in 1993, the caption I chose under my senior photo was something I had heard my pastor say at the time. I didn't realize it was scripture. Struggles produce perseverance, perseverance which builds character. Little did I know how prophetic those words would be. Being an only child, I was spoiled and self-centered. I knew the world revolved around me, and no one could tell me any different but God. He knew exactly what this prodigal daughter needed to bring her back to the true lover of her soul, to the only one who would never leave her or disappoint her. Marrying young and having many children and one income, times were stressful and many days I didn't think we would make it. But God is Jehovah Jireh, and He has always provided whatever we needed. In raising our children, we took Growing Kids God's Way classes. Some of you might remember this is back in the, back in the day, as they say, and implemented the training we learned 
I couldn't go anywhere without someone complimenting me on my children and their behavior. This was a regular occurrence for years, both in Nebraska, Ohio, and also when we moved to Florida. I didn't realize it, but because of all that praise, I had developed a haughty spirit. Not a looking down on someone's spirit, but and at least that will never happen to our family spirit. Pride goes before destruction, and a haughty spirit before a fall. Proverbs 16, 18. And how great that fall would be. I won't go into detail of all the pain the Lord has allowed, but in October of 2018, our oldest son, third child, died by suicide. This is a pain that there are no words for. Since then the Lord has shown me many things, and it is in the breaking that the blessing flows. Just as the alabaster jar had to be broken for the perfume to be spilled, and its fragrance to fill the room, so I had to be truly broken for the Lord to use me. I now see people with more compassion. I never realized how judgmental and opinionated I was. Lord, forgive me. I've started a ministry to suicide loss survivors. My daughter and I hand out bags with Bibles, toiletries, and snacks to homeless people with the ABCs of salvation cards. I carry my Bible and prayer journal and ask them for their prayer requests. I would not be able to do this to these hurting broken people if I did not know what it feels like to be hurting and broken. Jesus died for these people and He is their only hope. On January 1st, 2019, a few weeks after burying our son, God gave me Romans 8.18, and I have since learned, of course, that it is also Romans 5, 1 through 5. The part I left out years ago is character builds hope, and hope does not disappoint. This is where I am. I have had many, many painful struggles that have showed me that Jesus is all I need. He is all sufficient. That has kept me going and built my character. And now I have hope because he who promised is faithful. I will not be disappointed when I see my Savior. And these struggles are not worth comparing with what's coming. Oh, and by the way, it will be for all eternity. I don't know if I'll ever make it to Hawaii, but I know I will meet you in the air soon and very soon. I love you and my whole C.C. Kaneohe family, because He lives. Praise the Lord. Come on up. Why don't you go ahead and stand up. Again, I appreciate your patience and your grace. I hope that you're encouraged today. As Paul would say and pray even, Lord, encourage one another with these words. What words? The words, the hope, the blessed hope of your soon and very soon return when that trumpet sounds and the dead in Christ rise first and we who are alive and remain are caught up, raptured up. And then we will see you when we meet you in the air and forever be with you, Lord. And 
That is our not only blessed hope, it's our only hope. And for many of us, it's the only hope that gets us up in the morning and allows us to get any sleep at night, is knowing that today could be the day. So thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, that anyone who puts their hope in you will never be disappointed, never be let down. Thank you for that hope, Lord. We'll wait on you, for you, until that time. So Lord, come quickly, we pray, Mananatha, in Jesus' name. Amen.